morning. How are you this morning? How's your scripture memory coming along? John 3, 16 and 17. Who's got it? Okay, a few of you have got it. Two weeks ago, we decided that we'd learn that scripture, at least as a community. I'll give you a couple of more weeks before giving you another one, if you'd like to learn together with us. How about we start by standing this morning and trying as best we can reciting that scripture from memory, just as a way to continue in our praise and worship of the Jesus and the God talked about in that scripture, John 3, 16 and 17. Ready to give it a try? I don't have it on the screen, so if you don't know it, uh, listen along and maybe use it as an invitation to start in this week if you haven't started already. John 3, 16 and 17. Ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Please, have a seat. Good, it's a start. Keep working on writing God's words on your heart. They will help guard them, he promises. Please open your Bibles now to two chapters earlier in John, if you have them. John chapter 1, verses 35 and 42. As you're finding that, a little background to our text this morning. John the Baptist has just seen Jesus and declared that Jesus is the Lamb of God. And he's declared that Jesus is the Son of God. And two disciples of John the Baptist are listening. And when those disciples of John the Baptist hear their rabbi, John, identify Jesus that way, he's the Lamb of God and the Son of God, those two disciples of John the Baptist leave their rabbi, John, and start following Jesus, which is remarkable in and of itself. That word, Follow is a powerful word in the context here of rabbis and disciples. These two followers of John the Baptist start following Jesus. One of these two disciples, the Bible tells us, is Andrew, Simon Peter's little brother. And the other is probably John. Not John the Baptist, obviously. He can't follow himself. But John, the author of the Gospel of John, and soon to be the beloved disciple of Jesus. This John often leaves himself unnamed in his Gospel, so a good guess at least that it's probably John, and for sure Andrew, who start following Jesus. Let's pick up the story, or join in the story, John chapter 1, verse 35. The next day, John, and that's John the Baptist, was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God! When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the tenth hour, or four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, 
was one of the two who heard what John the Baptist had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. These are the very words of God. Amen? Amen. I can't help but wondering what it was like that day when Andrew went and found his brother Simon. I can only imagine that this boy was excited. He had to be excited in that way when we have some news to share with someone, and what we have to share is big news. And I don't know if I can convey, maybe I can, or begin to convey how big that was, still is, but how big in particular in that day. For as a Jew in particular, this was, still is, as big as it gets for since the dawn of time. Jews in particular have been waiting for the one promised in Genesis 3. The one who would crush the serpent's head. Since Abram, Jews have been waiting for the one who would keep Abram's promise for them, would keep Abram's promise that he and his descendants would walk before God and be blameless and perfect. So since forever ago, they were waiting for Messiah. And Andrew had the news. He had the news that he found him. So this boy, Andrew, had to be excited. He had news, big news, the biggest news. And I picture Andrew bursting into the house or rushing up to wherever Peter was, maybe down by the sea fishing or mending his nets. Can you just see Andrew running up, breathless, and as he gets near their house or wherever Peter was, as he gets to within shouting distance, can you just hear this boy, Andrew, calling out, Simon, 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 you're never going to believe it. Guess what? Oh, Simon, guess what? Or maybe he runs up shouting, We found him! 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 Oh, Simon, we found him! Guess what, Simon? We found him! And Simon Peter perhaps says something like, Found who? I would. We found Messiah! He's here. The Bible doesn't tell us what Peter's response was. Was it something like, hey, Andy, you need to calm down. Messiah, really? Or was it something more like, the Messiah? Get out! Are you kidding me where? Or was Peter's response somewhere between doubt and conviction? Was his response somewhere between his later sworn denial of Jesus around a campfire and his bold declaration to Jesus that you are the Messiah? Was Andrew's news that day to his big brother Peter before or after the day that Jesus called out from the shore of the sea to both Peter and Andrew while they were fishing, follow me. 
Scholars debate on that chronology. We're not sure which day came first. But whether before or after, how did Simon Peter react to the news his little brother breathlessly exclaimed that day, we found Messiah. Whatever his reaction, someone said, eventually, either Simon, something like, really show me, or Andrew said, come and see. Because the Bible tells us that Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. And so whatever Simon's innermost thoughts that day over Andrew's big news, doubt or conviction or in between, Simon went with his brother Andrew when Andrew invited him to come and meet Jesus. And the rest, as they say, is history. Peter becomes disciple number one, the leader of the church, raises someone from the dead, and the rest... Because, in part, his little brother Andrew found him one day and gave him his, guess what, big news. Oh, Simon, we found Messiah. Come with me and see. And I have a question for us this morning. And the question is, where is Andrew today? Where's Andrew's spirit of bursting out of your skin eagerness, running down a path to go and find someone and show and tell Jesus? Are we as eager as Andrew was that day to go and get Peter and bring him to Jesus? Where is Andrew today? I came across some interesting statistics. The American Growth Institute did a survey, as institutes are wont to do, and they asked people who come to church, what influenced them to be there? What influenced them to come to church? Here are the results. Survey says 0.5% come to church because they were influenced by an evangelistic crusade. 1% come because of a church visitation. A church elder or pastor or leader went to their home on an official visit. 2% of us come to church because we have special needs. 3% come because of some church program. Another 3% of you just walked in one day. 5% are here because they're influenced by Sunday school. And here's the one that I'm especially fond of. A whopping 6% of you are here because of me. (laughs) Only 6%, huh? You know, I don't know whether to feel worthless or deeply, deeply relieved. More the latter, believe me. And finally, I've saved the last for the most outrageous influence of all. Are you ready for this? 79% of people who go to church, 79% have been influenced to do so by a friend or a relative. 79%. Holy Moses. So next time anyone's tempted to tell me, hey, preach better and more people will come, my response is now, hey, invite more people to come with you because guess what? That's 13 times more effective than anything I can do. Survey says... (laughs) 
79% of people who go to church have been influenced to do so by a friend or a relative. Wow. A separate poll backs this one up. 82% of people who don't go to church are more likely to attend church if invited. 82%. And with those telling eight out of every ten people numbers in mind, my friends, we need to brace ourselves for these next two statistics. Brace yourself. Are you braced? Ninety-eight percent. That's a lot. Ninety-eight percent of churchgoers never extend an invitation to attend church in a given year, and 73% of people who don't attend church were never invited. I have a question for us this morning. Where is Andrew today? Where in heaven is he? I'm rarely so taken aback with statistics, but this set, well, I, I'm just completely floored. I, I have no words, but I do have a question. Where is Andrew today? Now, some of you may be thinking, in fact, I hope you're thinking, I know I did when first faced with these statistics, some of you may be thinking something like, well, asking people to come to church isn't necessarily the same as telling someone you found Jesus or about Jesus or showing them Jesus in love or taking them to Jesus. And you know what? That's right. The church is not Jesus. But... Those stats still need to land hard on us, my friends, in my opinion, because while the church is not Jesus, she is his bride. The people of God, we are his bride. She knows Jesus better than anyone. And so the church, the people of God, is one huge opportunity at least for people to find and to see and to get to know Jesus God through and in and among us here and if we're not inviting people here to belong to this community this people of God and those stats if we're at all like them at all those stats at least clearly tell us we're not well, then we're missing out on one colossal opportunity for people to meet Jesus. And if, as the so-called people of God, as a church, we're not about eagerly and intentionally creating that opportunity for people to meet Jesus in and through us in love, then you know what? We should just forget the whole blessed thing. What a colossal waste of time and resources. But if we are about that here, if we are about people meeting Jesus in and through us as a people of God, and my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I believe with all my heart that's who we are, 
then my friends, oh my goodness, we're missing an incredible, mind-boggling opportunity to, like Andrew, bring people to meet Jesus when we don't ask them to come experiencing him here with the people of God. Why do 98% of churchgoers never extend that invitation in a given year, do you think? What a number. If I round up, no one is inviting anyone. Why aren't we like Andrew who immediately goes and gets a Peter? Statistically. No doubt there are many reasons. A few in particular have been on my heart this week. I share them with you. I know the reasons behind my own missed opportunities to invite people to come. Maybe you can relate. Is it because we don't want to be rude? Our culture more and more peddles and teaches and pushes tolerance. And so our faith in Christ is really countercultural when it says that Jesus is the only way. Do we grow timid in face of that powerful cultural norm of tolerance, even ashamed that Jesus is the only way? Don't want to appear rude or pushy or arrogant or judgmental or un-American, at least uh, so far as tolerance has stolen what it means to be an American. Is that why we don't invite people to church? It's not their thing. Who am I to suggest that Jesus is someone special, someone unique, someone needed by everyone? We we even develop a false sense of humility. Our culture pushes us to conclude that being humble means that we don't tell people about something or someone we're really excited about it because it might offend them. Maybe we're just not all that excited about the church. The people of God. We don't value the church very much. We see the people of God from the inside, how they often act in a way that's not like Jesus, and we're almost embarrassed to have people come. There's that distinction again that feels compelling to make, that distinction between Jesus and the church, between Jesus and his people. But you know what? Two things in response to that. First, it's God's plan that the church, his people, be his witness to the world. That's his idea. And second, those that would leave the people of God out of the equation of that witness, because it's often a poor witness, well... You're never going to escape that, are you? What I mean is, anyone can thumb their nose at the church and go off on her and start their own group or own people or own ism or own witness or own movement or whatever you want to call it, but before, how long before that new people of God which is church, despite any new creative name they want to call it, how long before that new thing also fails to be a perfect witness all the time of who Jesus is? How long do you think before that happens? How about like immediately, (laughs) given human nature? When I hear those who rather caustically tear into the bride of Christ, 
those who go so far to advocate the answer is to ditch the church, well, they're hitting themselves, and worse, they're fooling others. Don't they realize they're merely forming their own new church, which given human nature will be no different at all in being a less than perfect witness of God and the love of Christ? And if they don't think that will happen, isn't that arrogant? And speaking of value, maybe we don't value our own salvation enough. Our own relationship with Jesus. Maybe we don't value it enough that we're excited to share who we found with someone else. Since birth, if you're an American at least, or spent time in the States, since birth we're told that we have rights and that we deserve things. One risk with that approach is that the more deserving, the more rights we feel we deserve, maybe the more worthy we feel, the less distance maybe we feel or comprehend between us and a perfect God. And the less that distance maybe the less impressed we are with what Jesus accomplished on the cross. You say he died to save me? Well, good, he should have. Because on the whole, I'm pretty good. And I deserve to be saved. I have the right to life. No wonder he loves me. I'm lovable. I love me too. Now, some of those rights are indeed there, but they're only there because of God. And that connection just isn't being taught anymore, is it? We hold these truths to be self-evident, our forefathers wrote, that all men are created. You sure doesn't say evolved equal? Born equal? All men are, and in case we missed it, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights. And if we mess with that connection, maybe it causes us not to value as much of what Jesus has done for us. At least enough to be excited to go and get a Peter. Why aren't churchgoers inviting people to church? See, I look around and I see some empty seats. And I know there's more room for more people in every ministry and everything that we do here as a church. And I'm not into numbers for numbers' sake. I'm really not. If God wants us to be a small little parochial church on the corner like the one I grew up in, well, praise God, there'd be fewer emails to answer. (laughs) But look at the place he's given us. Does he want it to go to waste? I don't think so. See, you know what I see when I see an empty seat with a book on it or a coffee cup on it or a 
I see a missed opportunity. There's a Peter out there somewhere who ought to be sitting there, given the opportunity to meet and experience God in and through us. Not my idea, his. God's idea. A missed opportunity for people to get to know Jesus, to meet Jesus through his chosen way to meet them, the people of God. And you saw the numbers, and I hope you saw behind the numbers the opportunities. Or behind the opportunities, I hope you saw the faces of people. 73% of unchurched people are never invited to the opportunity to get to know and to meet and experience Jesus through us here. If we're at all like those statistics. And 82% are more likely to come if asked. So, by God, literally, shouldn't we be asking? (laughs) And only 2%, statistically, are doing the asking? Oi! Where is Andrew today? I think we have a lot to offer here. Lots of opportunities for people to get to know and meet Jesus in and through and among us. Don't you think so? One person does. I'm assuming you all do. You're here. Then my next question is, would you consider asking someone to come check it out? You don't have to run up to their house screaming, Betty, 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 Betty! Or whatever. Even for one day or one event, would you be willing to be an Andrew, find someone and say, guess what? Come and see. Robert Weber in his book Journey to Jesus draws this conclusion from his research. Members of the church must exhibit enthusiastic willingness to tell other people in their immediate social networks about the church and its people. This has been called gossip evangelism. That goes on that list of oxymorons, doesn't it? But I like it. For example, Robert writes, a woman who recently came back to the faith told me, I'm absolutely in love with my church. I tell everyone about my church. When I encounter people with out-of-control lives, broken hearts and marriages, confused and lonely spirits, I don't say, here are the four things you need to believe. I say, I have found the most wonderful, loving, embracing community in the world. My life has been completely changed. Come with me and see for yourself. My experience in and among and with you, my experience of you is, I, I think we have such a community here. And we need to share it with the people we know. So would you be willing to do that? Be an Andrew and find someone and say, guess what, come and see? If you're willing to do that, and many of you already are, I know, I'll bet we beat that statistic. But whether you're doing it or not, are you willing to do that? Maybe you continue to do it. Maybe you just want to see what it would be like to be an Andrew. It's kind of fun. Get a rundown pass and shut. No. If you're willing to do that, in your bulletins, you'll find a small white card. 
And I realize not everyone brings a bulletin. Oh, there's mine. You'll find a, a, find a small white card with lines on it. If everyone doesn't have a bulletin or you need, if there's not enough white cards to go around, some ushers will be coming down very soon, I think. Yes, I see some movement in the back. They're coming down with white cards, and you'll need something to write with. We have some pencils, not enough to go around for everyone. I'm sorry, we're hoping that some of you brought something to write with, so you might be able to share. But if you need a pencil, raise your hand. Pen, pencil, crayon, lipstick, that works. And in a minute, as soon as everyone has a card and something to write with or someone to share with you, I'm going to give you an opportunity to think of someone you know who maybe hasn't met Jesus yet, or maybe doesn't go to church, and someone that you will resolve to invite to come with you sometime and check out West Bowles. You don't have to do anything this week, although it's not a bad week to invite someone, right? Got the outdoor jamboree next week, food and square dancing is a fun event. Just coming to see Ryan Long try to dance is entertaining enough. But if not this week, that sometime, sometime in the not-too-distant future at least, will you pray that God gives you an opportunity and will you intentionally look for an opportunity to say, guess what, and invite someone to come with you sometime? So I'll say a brief prayer, and then while some music plays, take a few minutes, three or four minutes, to reflect first on whom you might invite. Maybe God will put on your mind more than one person. Last service, he put two names on my mind and heart. I'll see if it's the same or different now. I'll do this along with you. Well, whatever God puts on your heart, whatever name or names, or maybe if no one comes to mind, you think, well, maybe God's going to send an unknown that I don't know yet, because that happens every day too. But you even put unknown down, because that'll help you when you look at your card to maybe be attentive to it. We're not going to collect them. They're yours to have, and and to put somewhere where you'll see it, in your car, next to the sink where you get ready in the morning, somewhere where you'll see it, tape it up on your refrigerator, somewhere where you go a lot and look at, oh yeah, I'm going to be intentional about, about being an Andrew this week and finding a, 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 a Peter. Okay, let's pray. Father in heaven, I'd ask right now that you'd move in and around among us this morning. And that you would bring to mind and to heart someone whom we already know. Anyone, Father, maybe more than one person who you'd like us to, in the near future, find an opportunity to say, guess what? I found someone. I found something that I think you'll enjoy too. Come and check it out. Would you do that for us in this time of reflection and prayer, Father? We love you, and in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
God put a name or three or ten on your card. I've got five on mine that he put this service. One's a past student. And the other four are our neighbors that live just a few houses down. One of them I just had to put old guy because I don't even know his name. <laughs> and I'm a pastor. Maybe that's why I'm only 6% effective. <laughs> Will you pray over it and look for that opportunity to be an Andrew? We're past time, but I've got to take five minutes to practice. Okay? We're going to practice, all right? So here you are. You've got your card. Go over here and practice with the kids because they're fun. So here you are. You guys got your card? Did you guys fill out a card? So you feel like, good. All right, so you got your card. So let's see. Let's say you're going to go up. All right. All right. What's your name? Thomas. Thomas. What's your last name, Thomas? Smith. I've got you on my card, Thomas. <laughs> no, I don't really. Just kidding. <laughs> so let's say, you know, Thomas is someone that I don't think goes to church. You know, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't know who Jesus is. I don't know. You know, there are a lot of people in my life when I would, these names are coming to mind. It's like, well, I don't even know for sure, but ask them. You never know. So let's say I think maybe Thomas, you know, doesn't know. And well, in fact, you really don't. You've never heard of the Jesus. Well, you heard of Jesus, although you have living on a rock somewhere. But you, you know, 
You've probably heard of Jesus, but you don't have a relationship with him. You're even caught dead in a church. Why would you ever go? There? You know, okay? And so that's kind of your, okay? All right. So then, so I come up. Maybe, I don't know. I look for an opportunity. So I know him. It should be someone I shouldn't have to introduce myself to, right? Hey, Tom, how's it going? Do you go by Tom or Thomas? Thomas. Thomas. How's it going, Thomas? <laughs> I should know that. So go, how's it going, Thomas? Hey, you know what? Guess what? He said, what? Good. <laughs> I found Messiah. Who is this Messiah? Okay, now he said something interesting back. He said, who is this Messiah? Now, it was being very polite to me. But if we were, let's say you really didn't, you didn't know about this whole thing. Right, right? If I come at him and I say, I found Messiah. What might you say? What's a Messiah? Wouldn't you say that? I would. Found a who? Found a what? Is that a new kind of car? What's a Messiah? <laughs> this is where we need to be culturally aware, right? Andrew didn't have to explain to Peter what a Messiah was. Oh my goodness. Chances are out there you're gonna, you don't, don't lead with found a Messiah. So, I don't know, maybe say something like, Thomas, guess what? I found someone. I found, a, I found someone that just cares. I found a place that is so much fun. I found a place that, you know, they make me feel like I belong. I found, I can't even describe what I found. It's just something so good. I found life. I have found, I mean, I know it sounds corny, maybe you've heard it before, but, and I never thought it would happen to me, but I, 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 I found this Jesus and you know what I found out about him? I found that Coke isn't the real thing. Jesus is. I found that Pepsi really isn't the real thing for the next or now or new generation. Jesus is. I found that it's not really Coke that teaches the world to sing in perfect harmony. Jesus does. I'm on a pop thing because I know Thomas likes pop. <laughs> or, you know, you use the language of whatever your group is. I mean, I don't know. Do you guys use the word the bomb? Now find out that Jesus is the bomb. Or is that like I'm ten year, you're 10 years past that? Or you guys, they still use the bomb? Annika, do they use the bomb? No, they don't. Have See, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't say that to a soldier. You know, Jesus is the bomb because he's got a different context. How about this? Would you guys say in your circle at least, I found this Jesus guy, and he, let me tell you, he is sick. Yeah, and a whole generation of people over there went, oh my goodness, wait. No, it's okay, it's a good thing, the sick. I don't, I don't know the language. You know the language. That's why it's more effective for you to go than me as your pastor to go, Hello, I'm Pastor Todd. Well, now there's a 94% chance they ain't going to be caught dead in church ever, right? <laughs> Survey says. <laughs> or maybe it's a serious thing, and it's not just the cold thing out of the blue. You're sitting on the edge of a friend's bed with her, and, 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 and you're crying with her because mom and dad are getting a divorce. 
And you say, you know what, I know what that feels like because my mom and dad are going through the same thing or they got it. Or maybe it's, you know, I, I, I'm lonely too. I struggle with depression too. Guess what? I found the one that can heal a broken heart. I come see. And one place that I meet him or I see him and experience him and get to know him more is every Sunday morning at 9 and 10.30. Want to come with me one time? I hear they even give you a free coffee if you're new. <laughs> or there's this jamboree next week. Or there's this group called Acacia named after this cool tree that I'm a part of. Or a men's ministry. Or what? Well, you want to come see? You won't believe what I've found place that I belong, that I'm loved, that want to come with me? Where is Andrew today? He's been in front of me all morning long. Look around. There's Andrews that have filled this place. You all love the Lord. You know him. For some reason, cultural or otherwise, or we're not letting him out more than 2% of the time, statistically, to go and eagerly get a Peter. Maybe a start to help open that door and let that eager spirit of Andrew out is to find someone and just begin... Guess what? I found someone. I found something. I found someone special. In fact, he found me. And his name is Jesus. Might I come and see? Let's pray. Father in heaven, I can't help but wonder what if Andrew hadn't found Peter with the news? Would he have followed Jesus? How many Peters are out there, Father, right now that you're waiting for us to invite but haven't been invited? Would you help us, Father, to find and let go of Andrew's eager spirit to share what he had found, to share Jesus? Bring people across our path, Father, and give us the eyes to see and the hearts to feel and have empathy. And and help us, Father, to invite them to meet you in and through us here, however imperfectly, and, but to meet you through your chosen people of God to whom you wish to be known, through whom you wish to be known. Would you give us that opportunity, Father, and put it in us to tell someone to simply say, guess what? Now come and see In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand, please, for God's benediction, his good words, his blessings. I thought this passage from Matthew 28 was appropriate. It's Jesus speaking. And Jesus said to all of his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. In Jesus' name, amen.